And uh, one of the things that the coronavirus has uh, spawned is a whole other kind of health crisis. And this one happening, of course, around the world as, as well. And since going into isolation and lockdown, the data now shows that domestic violence is actually surging. And in some countries, you know, no one's allowed to leave the home for any reason at all. And support services aren't necessarily available. And of those that are available are being overwhelmed with calls for help. Now, the United Nations is calling on uh, governments to declare women's shelters essential services and to also put warning systems into places like pharmacies and grocery stores so that women can signal for help without their abuser actually being alerted. Here in Canada, last week, the Prime Minister announced $40 million for this kind of support in shelters. But the bottom line is, with this situation going on for at least a few months, the money may not be enough, and the problem is only going to get worse. I want to bring Petra Molnar into this conversation, Acting Director, International Human Rights Program with the University of Toronto's Faculty of Law. Good to have you, Petra. Thank you so much for having me. What are we seeing as far as the data when it comes here to Canada? Do we have those kinds of numbers? Are we starting to see cases rise? We're definitely starting to see cases rise. I mean, unfortunately, it's very hard to quantify the phenomenon of domestic violence under normal circumstances, let alone under a pandemic. But we've seen in Canada and internationally a rise in calls uh, from victims of domestic violence and also from shelter support workers who are witnessing the rise of this phenomenon. And it's really unfortunate. Like you said, I think given the situation is going to be with us for a few months, um, it's really worrisome to see this uptick globally. Certainly because what was a problem before has only become worsened, um, you know, with the pressures of job loss, uh, being confined in small spaces, um, things like alcohol use, drug use, all those things start to go up and start to make uh, an already difficult situation. Uh, It can be quite explosive. That's right. I mean, the situation is challenging all of us, no matter what your own lived experience is like. And now imagine what it's like for somebody who is living with a partner who is violent or or living in a situation that is untenable. I mean, these kind of global crises really highlight a lot of the power dynamics that might already be inherent in a problematic relationship. And the worry is that it's only going to get worse as, as time goes on, which is something that we're unfortunately already seeing. Yeah, and I would have to think, I mean, we've never been in this kind of situation where, uh, you know, a country is essentially shut down. Um, You've got people losing jobs right, left and center. And then you've got this issue. In in the best of times, someone dealing with an issue of domestic violence has a hard enough time getting out. But when and it's not only women, there are are men that go through this. But the the, but the reality is, um, I would have to think leaving now would be almost impossible because where do you go? I mean, the, the shelters are open but not necessarily somewhere you want to go because of fear for your health. That's right. And I mean, the shelter system under normal circumstances is already overburdened and under-resourced. And that's something that we're seeing on a regular basis. And so now, absolutely, given the fact that this situation is heightening a lot of these problematic relationships already, people don't have anywhere to go. Not everyone is able to socially isolate like we are all supposed to, particularly when home is not a safe place to be. So it really does leave people in this difficult circumstance where sometimes they really are trapped in the current living reality that they have. Especially when there's children involved as well, because you don't want to, uh, I mean, it's always harder when there are children involved because they're just not uh, the services available at the best of times, let alone in in a situation like now. 
That's right. And I mean, it's also important to have a very contextual analysis of this. Children are definitely a factor we have to consider, but also other factors such as, you know, Indigenous women, for example, yeah. or women who might have precarious immigration status or who might be facing other health issues on top of what's already going on. So this situation is really exacerbating this for a lot of vulnerable people already in our society. So so Ottawa announced $40 million, and, and it always sounds great in, in the press release. It always sounds good in the announcement. But the bottom line is the money has to get to where it's needed. Do you know what services have been put in place, and how have they been changed then, given the, the current situation? What framework has been put in place? So this is something that we're going to have to watch over the next couple of days and weeks, for sure. Um, I mean, like you say, these announcements are very promising, but the concern uh, from those of us who work on these issues is, is that it's not going to really trickle down to the people who need it most. And you're absolutely right also. I mean, it's difficult to implement even a funding increase at a time like this because we are supposed to be socially isolating. And sometimes it just is uh, a question of space. I mean, how can you even house people who are trying to escape domestic violence when we don't have enough housing for the homeless population, <laughs> let alone someone who's trying to escape a domestic violence situation? So it's important to really think through, like, how are these, how are these uh, new infusions of cash going to actually look like on the ground? And the, the answer to that is we're not quite sure yet. Right. It's generally not, um, you know, looked at until, of course, we're reacting to something. So either something is going to have to become a headline, unfortunately, before people say, oh, gee, maybe we should have something in place or, oh, gee, we didn't realize that wasn't available. It's always the bad news that comes first that we react to. What would be the model, um, you know, given we're making this up on the fly, what would be a model, Petra, that would work in a situation like this that you would like to see implemented, you know, uh, on the fly very quickly? One thing that I've been seeing as a potentially promising practice is the rise of kind of informal networks within the community as it exists already. So, for example, right. at the municipal level, there are a lot of ad hoc groups that are forming, a lot of text chains or, or messaging services that are appearing among you know, people who are going through similar situations. I mean, I'm not advocating for this as a replacement to formal services, of course, because we need that as well. But I think it does go to show that, you know, people who are going through difficult circumstances oftentimes have to be very creative in terms of accessing services or even just a safe space for a night or two. And so, you know, I think it's incumbent on the government from a federal and a provincial and a municipal level to all work together and also talk to people who have the expertise and the experience of working with vulnerable populations like uh, victims of domestic violence and also all the other intersecting categories that we've been discussing. Because that's really where the expertise is when it comes to rolling out services that will make sense, not only just in the short term, but in the long term as well. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's not until you're in a situation where you realize a pandemic is a real power shift um, for an abuser because it gives them already power, but it gives them even more power um, you know, it's almost, uh, you know, it, it, not that it goes to their head, but it gives them such a power over their victim, um, you know, in a situation like this. Absolutely. I mean, domestic violence at the end of the day is about power and it's about this unequal relationship that parties have. And, and you're absolutely right. In these times of exception where all of us are really unsure of what the next day is going to look like, this is precisely the time when we have to be vigilant because the rise in domestic violence is something that we are already seeing due to this kind of power shift for all of us. Yeah. 
Well, what a time. And uh, sadly, the numbers will go up. And, uh, you know, we see these kinds of things around the Christmas time, around holiday seasons when families get together. But certainly in a situation like this, where we're talking months on end of living in very confined quarters, I, I almost shudder to think what the numbers, you know, and the outcome that we're looking at. Uh, Petra, stay in touch with me. Um, and I appreciate your insight into this. Thank you so much for your interest. Thank you. That's uh, Petra Molnar uh, joining us tonight. And again, the best of times, we have some services, some, not a lot, some. And it's always very difficult for a victim of abuse to leave at the best of times. Can you imagine trying to leave now?